The Start On On Demand. Election Day has arrived, and we have a lot to discuss on that front as Canadians go to the polls. One of the topics we want to discuss in the election is what would make voting more exciting or enticing? A lot of people just don't bother voting, but would they if they maybe got some sort of a bribe, like a free donut? Doug Brown joins us to talk about the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Tough loss for them on Saturday, and it was a tough game for Chris Strebler. The quarterback was battered around something fierce. Will he even be able to play on Friday in the rematch when the Stamps come to town? And as Halloween approaches, we want to tell you about the Talking to the Dead bus tour. I'm Brett McGarry, alongside Greg Mackling and Loren McNabb. We are Mackling, McGarry and McNabb, and this is the Monday, October 21st podcast for The Start. And we have a rare occurrence that's just happened in the studio. And I am excited about this. 20 seconds ago, Greg popped up out of his chair and ran out. (laughs) He must have forgotten something or you've got to drop things in certain computer spots. I don't even know what they're called. And I was like, oh my gosh, is Greg? He's not going to be back in time. And and then I was like, this is such a rush. We always make fun of Loren (laughs) for being late to the party here. And Greg, where'd you go? Well, I did a bunch of homework on zero zero ties in the NHL. Okay. And I didn't want to not have it on hand if he asked me about the game last night. So you I had to were, run out to my computer. You were at the game. So at the game last night, and normally you don't associate a scoreless tie with an exciting hockey game. Yep. Great hockey game mm. last night. Yeah. Very entertaining. And the way it ended and the way it all went down, pretty good for Jets fans. So it ended how? Overtime? And it's 0-0 after regulation, 3-on-3, three three, incredible five minutes of hockey, 3-on-3, three three, still scoreless, went to a shootout, the Jets scored twice, Kyle Connor and Patrick Laine scoring for the Jets, and uh, goes in the books as a one nothing victory for Winnipeg. I saw someone, several people actually, say it's the best game they think they've seen there in years. Really? In terms of just the pacing and how fun it was to watch and maybe even the atmosphere. I'm not sure what, I, I don't know how a 0-0 adds up to that, but. Well, because you had uh, one of the best teams and the hottest teams in the NHL right now and the Edmonton Oilers, Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl won two in league scoring and the Winnipeg Jets locking those guys down. And it was uh, an exciting game. Connor Hellebuck with his first shutout of the season. It was a good game. In a week where the Jets scored exactly four goals in four games on home ice after losses to Pittsburgh, Arizona, and the Islanders, they come up big uh, last night, scoring zero goals in regulation, but still coming up with a win last night. So you, the sky is not falling. Sorry, it's not right. falling. Jets are back to five hundred. I was just, I'm, I'm just kind of thinking about the analogy of it now being like game day, so to speak, for the election. And I'm curious if there's anyone out there who watches election nights, like even like a like people running to be prime minister, with that same kind of enthusiasm. You know, as the ticker goes up and down and it bounces back and forth, it's like a scoreboard, right? And you're watching to see who's no coming question. in. But I thought, does anyone ever just jump out of their seat and cheer? Oh, I'm sure. I'm what? sure. I, I, I know that when I uh, was at, it was, it was for Lawrence Tote, this would have been, I think, two elections ago. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, I was at the Oak, as we call it, uh, the Canadian's Transcona, the bar at the time. I can't, was it would it have been called My Bar? Safari Club? I can't remember. But that's where he was set up, and people were cheering because as once he took the lead, because it was a surprise. The Conservatives, I don't think, had ever mm-hmm. won, or it had been years and years and years since there were Conservatives. So, yeah, that very much had a, a party-style atmosphere. I, like, I felt that at those party places. I'm just curious if people on their couch, I know I've yelled at the TV like during election nights, like what? But I don't know if I've ever jumped up and down. Like just as a is... casual person, like I can see how uh, in that Transcona writing, and the same thing, by the way, that writing tonight, he's trying to get back in. Yep. So it's kind of making an in- for an interesting race in several places in the city. But I, I can see how the people within those teams get super excited. I don't know, do the average Manitobans or Canadians jump up and down? I There's got to be. I, I, I've for sure been mad. I don't know if I've ever cheered. I'm with Brett. I think there's people out there that are watching it like a sporting event tonight. Yeah. And they're going to be watching the uh, vote tallies come in and the ridings change hands or, or you know, the vote totals go back and forth and the elected and leading. And, it, hey, we're expecting, a lot of experts are expecting a minority government to come out of this election tonight to the point where... Both parties, both leading parties, the Conservatives and the Liberals, are still neck and neck in most polls. And so it's sort of a wild card situation, according to a lot of folks and a a lot of the data that's been compiled over the last several weeks. So, yeah, you know what, Brent? I think it's a perfect analogy. A 0-0 tie going into overtime might exactly end up where we're at, 11 o'clock Manitoba time tonight. We got a great text from a listener at 4.30 in the morning saying it's election day and I'm sure it will remind everyone to vote. I will be holding my nose and voting as soon as the polls open and I will be voting for Madison. God bless her. Reminder, that's the 18-year-old that we were telling you about last week with the terminal cancer diagnosis, still took the time out to vote. She got the hashtag, what's your excuse, mm-hmm. trending because she basically said, if I can do it, what, what's your excuse? Why aren't you voting? And so we're asking you this morning, after you finish voting and you're out of the polling station, take a picture of yourself with your little sticker. And uh, if you want the hashtag voted for Madison, because he's basically saying right there, that's that's who he's voting for, you know, in her name. Now, I learned something this morning as we were preparing for the show today. Well, I learned lots of stuff getting ready for the show today. But uh, the thing that jumps out for me is the fact that the polling stations in Manitoba do not open at 8 o'clock this morning. They open at 8.30. So they're open from 8.30 to 8.30. I would have just assumed that it was 8 o'clock because it seems as though that's the time polling stations open for the provincial and for the civic election. So if you were planning to go and vote at 8, You'll have to you'll have to hang around for a little bit because uh, voting doesn't get underway until eight thirty this morning. And another interesting thing too that I learned uh, just looking at cjob.com, globalnews.ca, you can use the election as an excuse to get out of work today under Canadian law. Here, hang on a second, I got to find it. Uh, under Canadian law, you employers have to give you time three hours. To go vote. Now, we we talked about this before, and I think it's three hours in the day. So if you have a job to which it would eat into the polling station times that they're open, then they have to let you go. But if I work, for example, our hours, yeah. and I'm off at 10, well, I can't leave at 7 a.m. No, no, no. We're walking out here at 8.30 to go vote. Forte is doing the show. I, I, think it's, I think it's like, so say you work 10, you know, 8 a.m. to 8 p.m., 
you have a 12 hour shift or something like yeah. that, they have to let you go. But right. because I've thought about this before too, I wonder if there are people who say, you know, at lunchtime, see ya, <laughs> like I'm going to go have lunch <laughs> and then I got to go vote. It's going to take me at least three hours. <laughs> I don't know if that's how it, I don't think that's how it's working. I don't think that's how it works. But it's yeah. a great reason. That's another good excuse to go vote, you know? But, if that's if that's what it takes to get you out there, do it. And in our next segment, we're going to talk about what would make voting more exciting or enticing. One of our listeners suggesting a Texas Mickey would make it more exciting. Uh, a Texas Mickey would get me to vote because I am sure I will need it after they are done. <laughs> now, that's the one, like the great big giant one that yeah. you might win at a social. Yeah. Yeah. That's a lot. Maybe just a Mickey. Yeah. I, I saw somebody uh, get stopped with a Mickey on their way into the Jets game last night. Oh, really? Yeah. My, my, both my boys got traumatized at two separate locations last night because this guy kind of, you know, security and my de- and uh, Brendan's like, Dad, what's going on? I'm like, guys, yeah, bringing some alcohol. And, well, you can't do that. Yeah, I know. But he, he was trying. And then uh, Jackie and Alex were doing shopping for Halloween costumes last night, and they saw someone get arrested at the, uh, uh, what do they call that thrift store? The one that they advertise all the time. What, Value Village? That's the one, Value Village. And uh, Jackie was talking to the security guy, said it was the eighth person they'd caught. They'd caught shoplifting yesterday. Oh, my God. Yeah, so there you go. It's not just liquor stores, right? Okay, so we're going to... Talk about that in our next segment, but right now we want to touch uh, a little bit more on something Jeff Braun had for you in Global News at 6.30, and that has to do with the CRA. Yeah, so speaking of scams and people trying to get stuff that and money that doesn't belong to them, Winnipeg police say they're still seeing incidents of a targeted phone scam in the city that began in March. Winnipeg Police Service Constable Jay Murray says... We call this a CRA scam. What happens is the scammer will call pretending to be a criminal investigator saying that money is owed to the Canada Revenue Agency. So during some of those calls, the police say the victim is told to stay on the line and dial the Winnipeg Police Service non-emergency number to confirm that an investigation is underway. The victim then believes they've started a new call, but in reality, the scammer has remained on the line. At other times, the scammer may use... Caller ID, spoofing to call back using what fraudulently appears to be a police number. So it's getting pretty high tech with what they're doing. Mm-hmm. And then the scammer then pretends to be a police officer asking the victim to transfer a significant amount of money by e-transfer, Bitcoin, or gift cards. The call might sound in part something like this. You have been charged with four criminal allegations according to the Canadian Constitution. The purpose of this call is to notify you that right now you are under investigation. It has to be super confusing for some people, angry, angering for most of us to the point. I don't know about you guys, but I don't even answer my phone anymore. Unless I know exactly who's on the other end, I'm not picking it up. Yeah, I, I am reluctant as well because sometimes all they need to for you to say is yes. Like, is, are you, is this Brett McGarry? Mm-hmm. Yes. And I remember I took a call once and it was, it, it turned out to be from a legitimate organization, but uh, they called and said, hi, is this Brett McGarry? And I, I didn't know it was like, uh, uh huh. So I just sort of <laughs> made this kind of groan, grunt sound to acknowledge that it was me. Uh, but I, yeah, I don't. If I don't recognize the number, I don't pick it up. But it's also like you know, we make a lot of phone calls in this business to get people on and do interviews and all those kinds of things. And I often get people. I think that because they're savvy enough or sick enough of all these phone calls, I'll say, "Oh, hi, I'm looking for Joe Bill." 
is this him? Who wants to know? And yes. then I'm like, and it sounds harsh, but I'm th- part of me thinks, yeah, I get that. Like, mm-hmm. you don't know who I am or why I'm calling. But I definitely, if I don't recognize the number, don't answer. And I, the worst part about some of these scams is how awful people feel when they get sucked into them. But when you hear the lengths to which these thieves are going to get your money, you can see how very smart people might go, go down the road of giving money to someone that they shouldn't because it sounds so real. Like they're faking the phone call, faking the caller ID, putting you on hold, calling you back, pretending to be a police officer. I mean, all of that, you add it all up, you would start to get freaked out. And sometimes they might hit the person who might have a concern about owing money to somebody and think, oh, yeah, they are, they finally got me. So I guess I better hand over my $1,200 or well, whatever Well, and it that's is. the rule. It's the rule of sales, right? That whole one in seven thing. If you if you just hammer out enough phone calls and do enough cold calling, you will find a legitimate prospect potentially out of that uh, based on just sheer volume. And I remember my grandma calling me, telling me that she was on her way to pull a park to, ba- to pay her cable bill with gift cards. And I'm like, man, what are you doing? Oh, they told me I was behind and that I had to go and buy these. No, 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 no. That, that's a scam. And of course, a lot of people are proud. They're private about their money. They don't want to talk about it. They don't want to talk about the fact, oh boy, maybe I did forget to pay my taxes. So if you're getting that call, it's not legit. You would never hear from CRA that way. They would send you a letter. They are not going to be calling you. They're not sending you an email either. So do not answer uh, a phone call from CRA that uh, tells you that you have to go and pay some money, A, in Bitcoin, or B, with some sort of transaction that involves gift cards. That, that That's not going to happen. Must be so frustrating for legitimate businesses now, though. Oh, How do you get sure. the job done when, like me, if the phone rings and I don't recognize the number, I don't answer and on the occasion that I do, I'm, I'm always starting off with a place of my back is up and I'm questioning why you're calling me. And then I'm annoyed when you have anything you're trying to sell, when it might be actually something decent or a good tip or maybe a charity that I might actually want to get involved with. I'm like, I don't want to answer the door and I certainly don't want to answer my phone. And another thing, too, with these businesses, when it is a legitimate business calling, they never leave voicemails. And are they not allowed? Like, let's say CIBC calls me for something. I don't know. That's a good question. Yeah, they, and they do. And I actually get a lot of, because I'm a CIBC customer, and it will be, every time I see a 188, I assume it's, that's who it is. And if I do call it back, it is often CIBC, but you're right. They don't leave a voicemail. Yeah, so then you're wondering, well... Did they, was this a scammer or what was the, the purpose of their call? So, yeah, that's got to be frustrating being that person if that's your job is to call customers with genuine opportunities for to improve whatever service you have or maybe just, just have an update or the, a question about your bill. Maybe you're behind on your bill. I don't know. The other day I had a phone call. I was expecting it, though. And so I rolled the dice a little bit and I picked up the number because the, the caller ID did not show up. And it was, is this Greg? Who's this? <laughs> it was my doctor. Really? <laughs> yes. I said, hey, I'm sorry, doc. I just, you know, I in this day and age, mm-hmm. I'm just uncomfortable answering the phone unless I know exactly who it is. So I, I suggested that they put caller ID outgoing, sure. uh, caller ID on their line so that people would know who it was. But that's a great question with regard to the to the voicemail, because it seems as though legitimate organizations are shying away 
from leaving voicemail, and I just wonder if that's something they're not allowed to do anymore, if there's a concern about privacy. I know on the home line, maybe that might be a bigger deal. Could you not designate your cell phone as something, as a phone that only I listen to? I don't know. We might have to dig into that. I have a, I don't know if you recall the scan that was going around a few years ago, and someone would call, and they would they would do enough research that they knew the name of your relative, and they would say, I'm, I'm in jail, and I need oh, bail the, money. Yep. And so I have a relative who got that phone call. I'm going to replace the names here but she said she knew right away it was a scam because they said they were tim and she was like my timmy would never end up in jail now if it had been tom they might have gotten (laughs) 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 i'm making up those days but she was smart enough to know oh they picked the wrong grandchild isn't that something Mackling, McGarry, McNabb, Jeff Braun, Kelly Moore, Jeff Fortier. We want to talk about what would make voting more exciting. Because I think for some, you know, a lot of people just don't want to go out and vote. But maybe there's a way we can get those people through the door if it was just a little bit more fun. Maybe just like wave a sock or something like that. Like who are these people that can't... Take 20 seconds to go throw a vote down. I think you can, but it's such a, it's, it's so part of it be about getting there, but it also be about me, maybe about that moment. Like I remember the first time I voted and then I put the ballot in and I was like, that's it, eh? Like no one's going to come. Like, like going to get the birthday bumps or something, you know, like, and they smell an election while they toss me in the air. Like Erica texted, said, happy voting day. I already vote every single election and I believe it should be mandatory. But what would entice me if I wasn't a regular voter would be people standing at the exit to shower me with confetti when I'm done voting. It would, just, it would be celebratory. It's such a big thing, which sometimes does feel anticlimactic. Yeah, maybe, or maybe when you put your vote in the ballot box, it makes some sort of a sound or like a noise. Like it's swallowing it. A, sh- a shredder off. sound. A shredder <laughs> sound. <laughs> what happens if it's a spoiled ballot, though? Do you get the... That's fine. Sound yeah. effects. Are, I did, it's so quiet in there, and you're very... I'm very excited when I go in, and then there's just a whole lot of silence. A free donut would be nice. Tailgate parties. A tailgate party, yeah. like in the yeah. parking lot. Sure. Like get a hot dog and beer afterward. Well, yeah, afterward. Yeah. After, yeah, 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 you have to have the beer after you vote. I like that. One of our listeners said, like, a Canada, like a pin, like a lapel pin sure, that yeah. you might wear when you're traveling so people didn't think you were American. <laughs> Adam would oh, like, nice. he'd like to receive a sucker just like the dentist. Oh, sucker, that's a good idea. I, I was saying, I gave blood. Uh, I've been trying to get back into giving blood. And so the other day, I took my kids with me and I was like, this is the best. There was like iced tea and donuts and there was three different kinds of chips. And I'm just wow. like, blood's pumping out of my arm, the kids are like, can I have more Oreos? And I was like, sure, this is a great, great way to spend 45 minutes. What a what a babysitting moment we're at right now. Like, and, I, and they do all sorts of things to get people through doors or to say thank you after they've left. Who needs Bonanza? Just go give blood. Yeah. Go have lunch. <laughs> no kidding. Yeah. Well, Bombers are giving away the Andrew Harris bobbleheads this That's Friday, right? right? And that, that alone is probably going to get some people to the game or no they, question they maybe about weren't it. considering it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, people, collectors love that stuff. They gave away the neat uh, Scotiabank jet scarfs at the game last night. So I don't know, would a scarf or a bobblehead do it for you uh, in the ballot box? Mm, bobblehead of what oh. exactly? Yeah. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I, I, would the ballot box. I would vote regardless. Like the, I know, a, we're, we're, but we're trying to entice more people. So let's, How about, uh, well, you know what, in this world that we live in, and I don't know that it would make... You know, follow the excitement trend or giveaway trend. 
But everybody, we're living in a digital world. So at some point, I think we're going to have to make it accessible that people can vote digitally. Mm -hmm. Well, I was going to say location. What about location? I know for me, where I vote, it's actually in my apartment building. So, like, I don't even have to leave home. Really? Yeah. It's usually within a few blocks, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Well, rurally, like lots of people rurally drive half an hour or more to go vote, depending on where they are. But they drive half an hour or more to do almost everything in their lives. Right. But it's not, the convenience isn't necessarily there. I just think if you put some balloons outside the walkway while I was going by, (laughs) or like the bubbles, like blow out some, you know, like a wedding. What about buskers? Because all these other ideas cost taxpayer money. Oh, buskers is a good idea. Buskers are free. That's kind of fun. Live entertainment. Yeah, just to make sure to they the, don't sing anything uh, too incendiary. But they could, or <laughs> maybe can't they campaign could, at the polls, right? Maybe they could try to do some sort of a contra deal with, uh, like, if Tim Hortons were to say, "Okay, we're going to give free donuts." Sure, we get every, to choose three MPs. They, 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 the advertising <laughs> value alone for Tim Hortons would be staggering to because to, to, how many millions of people are going to go vote and they walk in how, and see Tim Hortons donuts? How about a one percent discount off your taxes if you vote? Oh, <laughs> oh hey, there that's you go. a okay. good idea. Oh man, you just. Nailed it. I just I'm yeah. I mean, I still would like a like some sort of sound effect, but I would Shaching. Yeah. And then a little rebate. A little rebate action would be nice for so the vote. You okay. cast your ballot and all of a sudden cha-ching, you just saved a little in taxes. Congratulations. But I think you might be onto something there, because that's actual incentive to get people to vote, you know, to be, get a reward, a mm-hmm. proper reward. Uh, because I think that would be better than just making it mandatory. Well, I know, you know, community centers with uh, coaches and stuff, that used to be all volunteer, but with all the different obligations everybody has, they're having a hard time finding volunteer coaches, and so sometimes they give you either a discount for your kids' registration for sports if you are willing to volunteer to manage or coach, and that's something that you never, ever would have imagined 30 years ago having to give some sort of incentive for people to get involved in the community, but they've had to do it. Sure. Well, and look at how many people in minor hockey volunteer to work at the canteen because it helps pay for their, their right. Kids that's cheese. true. You yeah. get uh, volunteer hours, yeah. yep. and uh, you get to smell like French fries for the next forty-eight oh, hours. That's just that's <laughs> win, the best part. Win. But then we have our listeners who are all practical and stuff. Like, how about <laughs> if we had the people that we were voting for? were people we actually wanted to have an office, uh, what would make people... You asked too much. <laughs> I know, you asked way too much. What would make voting more exciting? How about worthy candidates? My neighbor was entirely skipped by the conservative and liberal candidates. Just the PPC and Greens came by and a single leaflet from the NDP. We are a weird little nook on the south side of Portage, so I guess we weren't worth the effort for yard signs. Well, David emailed us to say that he was just talking about this topic with a friend yesterday and felt the following would cause more people to vote, having a none-of-the-above option. And then you place an X would feel better, a better choice than not going at all. You know, we often hear, too, about the people who gave up their lives for our freedom to vote. 100%. And maybe yeah. if there were some veterans at uh, uh, polling stations that, you know, as people walk by, you could either say thank you for doing what you did to go in and vote or, you know, they uh, they shake your hand uh, for, for voting afterwards. Mm-hmm. Thanks for doing this to, to honor us. It's just that it is such a patriotic a, moment. And I do feel absolutely. really good when I do it, even though I don't always feel good about my choices. And I hear those listeners are saying they're going in and they feel ill or they don't like what's on the ballot or they don't like what's going to happen at the end of the night. And I understand all that. But the moment is such an important moment that if you could feel good in that moment for at the very least, 
putting that piece of paper in the box. I think that would be a nice thing, Kelly. I like that idea. And just a personal thing. My wife's going to vote for the first time in probably more than two decades because someone in this election finally got to her, finally resonated with her. Somebody went up to you, Kelly, on the uh, incentive. I think this is brilliant. Yeah. Government offers a $1 million lottery, and you only get a ticket if you vote. Ooh, great idea. That is brilliant. I would vote several times for that. (laughs) First time they spent money, you know. That's a worthwhile investment. It's election day. Uh, polls open at 8.30, as a reminder for folks in this province. And we're a small province. We only have 14 ridings. But as the votes do come in and we start to see results tonight, what happens in several key ridings here could kind of give us a hint. They won't decide the election, but they'll give us a hint of how the night could go overall. With the exception of just one Winnipeg riding, it was a sea of liberal red in the city four years ago. And there are several ridings where the power could shift back to the Conservatives tonight. Curtis Brown is the principal with Probe Research and joins us now to talk more election. Good morning, Curtis. Good morning and happy election day to you all. Thank you for your enthusiasm. You know, as I was saying, we obviously don't have enough seats to impact the balance of power in the House of Commons. But why do some people look at Manitoba and say, OK, what happens in some of our writings might be indicative of a trend across the country? Well, some of uh, yeah, some of our seats certainly have been bellwether ridings, and they've and they've tended to switch back and forth when when there has been a change in government or depending on what's happened in, in the past. And uh, I think just also a big part of it is because so many seats were picked up by the Liberals in the last election, uh, and that was a little bit unexpected at the time. And so it means that uh, you know the Liberals, in order to be able to stay in power are going to have to uh, you know, play defense in some of those seats, just the way that they are in some other seats in other parts of the country, like Vancouver, like Greater Toronto area. Uh, so, so really, yeah, the, the, um, you know, what, what's going to be happening here? I mean, we have a small number of seats, but it, you know, considering how tight the national polls are, uh, it, it's really going to be important. And it's really going to be important for the Liberals and the Conservatives in terms of, uh, who, or in terms of who ends up coming out on top. I lo- Sorry, Chris. I love that terminology, bellwether, and Manitoba could really play a role in that. Which which ridings are you looking at here in Manitoba that could either turn hands, switch uh, places in terms of who gets elected, and which ones are are really key if the Liberals want to hold on to power? Well, th- there are a few. Uh, you, the one that's always been, ver- you know, very much about weather uh, is Winnipeg South, and that's uh, often, you know, changed between it was Liberal when the Liberals were in power a number of years ago, and then it went Conservative, and then it went Liberal again in 2015. That's really a key one. Uh, you know, two of the other ones, I guess, the Liberals won last time that uh, were going to always be a little bit more difficult for them to defend are uh, Kildone and St. Paul and uh, Charleswood St. James. Uh, those are two that... Uh, uh, flipped into that category. And then, then the other two that are, are, I think, are really interesting and they're a little bit different. I mean, uh, Winnipeg Centre, because it's a uh, long-time NDP seat that the Liberals are trying to defend, and it's a pretty good race there. And Elmwood Transcona, which was very narrow last time, and it's different in that race because that's a uh, that's a more of a conservative NDP race, and the NDP narrowly won it last time. Uh, they took it from the Conservatives, the same two candidates again. Uh, that should also be a uh, certainly a race to watch. You're talking about uh, tight races, every vote counting. I think Elmwood Transcona was a 61 vote difference in 2015, so tight is the key word there, and, and that will be how the night goes down. This could be a late one in terms of just who wins tonight and that balance of power, whether it be, be a minority or majority. 
Yeah, definitely. And and one of the things, just because I think, yeah, the dynamics have shifted a little bit during the race coming in. I mean, the NDP looked like they were going to be left for dead uh, in terms of their, they had very low support and uh, they've certainly seemed to have picked up and uh, their leader, Jagmeet Singh, tends to look like he's fairly popular. And so that I think is also changing the, the dynamic in some in, in in some parts of the country and and what you might see I mean that may end up and that and the fact that the Greens are also uh, you know have more support than they seem to have in 2015 that could change uh, some of the dynamics of some of the race with uh, some of the races in different parts of the country and just with the it being so tight yeah I mean every every seat is going to count and uh, I think yeah we're going to be watching until uh, the polls close in BC and uh, and some of these other uh, some of these other races are certainly going to be uh, uh, you know have an impact in terms of who uh, you know who gets the most seats and then also what's the math if it is a minority situation that's really going to be fascinating quickly before we let you go curtis outside of winnipeg it's a tory stronghold with the exception of that northern riding with the ndp and nikki ashton in place are we expecting any change or any tight races outside of city limits I'd be I'd be very shocked. I, I guess the, I guess though you know in in the, in the northern seat, uh, I mean that was uh, quite close in 2000, uh, 2015, uh, or certainly closer than was expected. The Liberals um, had a strong campaign and they did fairly well. Uh, that could be you know that, that that's always one to watch. Uh, turnout does tend to be a little bit lower, but but otherwise, I mean in in the overall southern Manitoba, uh, the Conservatives do seem to have a pretty uh, you know pretty strong lock on a lot of those seats. But hey, yeah, we'll see what happens. Curtis Brown, Principal with Probe Research, joining us live on 680 CJOB. Curtis, thank you very much for this. Thanks for having me. This weekend, Winnipeg versus Calgary. You get two tickets for the game. You get a two-night stay at the Comfort Inn and $500 cash, which will help your gas costs, because you got to get yourself to Regina. So... A one in nine chance to be the quali- to be the winner. Let's uh, see what we have here. Hello. Good morning. Is that Paula? Yes, it is. Hello, Paula. It's Hi. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb from six eighty CJOB. How are you? Well, I'm uh, I'm I'm good now. Did we wake you up? Yes, you did. <laughs> okay, we we were debating. Is this too early to call Paula? I have to be honest. Her, your voice went from "I feel very tired" to "perky" pretty quickly. Well, it's uh, yeah. It was. I, yeah, I'm awake and I'm happy. <laughs> well, I think you you probably have you have probably surmised as to why we are calling you this morning. Well, yes, I figured that part. I didn't know why the phone was ringing initially, <laughs> but then I figured it out. <laughs> so we will now make it formal. Congratulations, Paula Benson. You have won the good old hockey game grand prize. Yay. Yay. Let's That's do a it? wave. Yay. Wave. Mini wave. Woo! <laughs> hard if you're just getting woken up if you're just that's a hard one i appreciate this well in this day and age when you 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 can't ever answer your phone because you never know who's on the other end i'm glad you answered so now you have plans for the weekend you're off to regina sweet who are you gonna take Uh, i think i will take my other half yes i better take dj i think that's probably a good idea (laughs) think (laughs) yeah i have some better I have some even better news with regard to where the tickets are and where the seats are. Mm-hmm. They're nowhere near mine. <laughs> okay. You do not have to sit with me. So there you go. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So Paula, congratulations. <laughs> Thank you very much for playing and thanks for listening to 680 CJOB. Awesome. That's very great. Thank you very much.
We're going to talk some football right now with Doug Brown. Hey, uh, Doug, the other day you were talking to Hal Anderson. You mentioned the idea that, you know, it might be not the best thing for Zach Caleros to get back on the field. Milt Stiegel echoed those sentiments to us. What did you think about Chris Strevler being allowed to go back on the field on, on Saturday night? Well, you know, uh, it's a combination of things. You have limited information I think you can work with. Uh, you have to trust a lot of what a player is telling you. If we know anything about Chris Trevler, uh, I would imagine he is telling everybody until he's blue in the face that he wants to be out there, that he's okay. Um, it's, uh, it, it's a tough call, and there's a bunch of people that are involved in, in making that call, but um, you got to uh, you got to trust the player first and foremost, and uh, – you, but you do have to wonder what kind of timeline it's going to be for him to recover from uh, what went on in that game. Because, I mean, we were up there in the booth just watching him. There were plays where he was holding his ribs. There were plays where he's down on a knee. There was another time where he was holding his ankle. Um, you know, there was, uh, there was a lot of uh, brutal hits um, being laid out, out, out there with Chris Trevler. So it's... Uh, it's going to be interesting to see how this week unfolds. I, I honestly don't expect him to be able to recover from a game like that in six days. When you're watching that, Doug, is there a part of you that's, you know, you're, there's admiration for the grit that, like that, the play, he showed such grit yeah. in that game. And then on the other half, part of you might be thinking, I don't know, shouldn't you get off the field? Like, you know, where, where are you in terms of an anal- analysis of that as both of just a fan, but also for what you do for your work? Yeah, you know, it's uh, it's super gutsy. Um, it's super, it's almost uh, a heroic physical uh, performance. Um, but, you know, anytime your quarterback's carrying the football more than your running back, I think he had 15 carries. I think Andrew Harris only had 11 in that game. You're just opening yourself up to a, a ton of punishment. It's a very unusual situation with Chris Trevler because we just don't see quarterbacks used in this role. So it kind of makes you cringe sometimes when you see a guy you know, who traditionally plays that role of a guy that avoids contact. And yet this guy so often is used as a battering ram out in the, uh, out in the football field. So it's, uh, it's very unusual and it's unsettling watching, uh, you know, a starting quarterback uh, used in such a physical fashion like that. Doug, when McGuire came in, I was kind of thrown off, you know, his first play, he launches the ball. He's got. He appears to have a cannon for an arm. Let's say Strevler does end up playing on Friday. Should they still use McGuire maybe intermittently, kind of like the way they would use Strevler as a, a weapon when Matt Nichols was starting? Well, I mean, uh, on Friday, I really think uh, I think this is your this is your final debut before the playoffs. This is your final tune-up. I really, I, I don't understand why McGuire would be a guy that'd be going in that game. I, I think Zach Claris, you know, he's got the experience. He's a veteran. He's led a team to the Grey Cup before. Um, I think there's too much unknown uh, with McGuire. As much as they may like him, as much as they've seen positive things in the preseason and or throughout the season in practice and stuff, there's too much of a question mark to hang your hat on on an unproven guy that's now thrown two passes in the CFL. I think if, uh, if Chris Trevler is limited or can't go at all on Friday, I think Zach Claris needs to get out there and, and take every single rep um, uh, available to him at, at starting quarterback because I think you need to go with what you know. And I think if uh, if Strebler is is hampered or, uh, or too banged up to play on Friday, I think the opportunity is there for Zach Claris to get up to speed because 
you just can't. This isn't the time for evaluation or wishful thinking when it comes to McGuire. First place is off the table for the Bombers. The best they can finish is second. What approach do you take on that front, Doug? Because you have Calgary coming in. If you win that game, you need BC to beat the Stampeders on the final weekend of the season to to get you second place. You've got a quarterback who's banged up. What approach, in your mind, would be the best one for the Blue Bombers? Do they go all out in trying to win this game, or do they have to manage some of these injuries and maybe just come at it with the idea of being as healthy as they can for the playoff game that they do have, no matter where it is? Yeah, I think they go all out for it, for sure. They they do have that bye week, right? So the very last week of the regular season in the CFL, the Bombers are not playing. So that means they get that week and then they get a full another week up until the the Western semifinal to, to recover. So I think anyone that can play should be playing. And uh, I, I think they just need to, it's, it's not just about where you can finish anymore. As we know, first place is out of the question. Um, they do have a small chance to uh, host a, a uh, the the Western final as a home game for them, but it's a very, very small chance. Obviously you need Calgary you know, to not only lose on Friday, but they'd also have to lose to BC. But regardless of that, um, I think it's important to have some sort of momentum, some sort of positive positivity, um, some sort of belief on the roster that they can, they can beat Calgary. And I think, you know, they, their chances are maximized at home, even though I, I don't necessarily think, well, I do necessarily think there's going to be a quarterback change because I just can't see how Strebler gets back to form after what you know he went through on, on Saturday in Calgary. Just watching it from there, the body language, uh, you know, the way, the number of times he was limping to the huddle, it's uh, it's just hard to imagine or comprehend that he'd be good to go. All right, we'll dig into this stuff and other things on the Blue Bomber podcast later on today. So we don't want to use it all up this morning, Doug. Thanks for this. We'll catch up with you later. All right, my friend. Doug Brown joining us on 680 CJOB to talk football. And we have Bomber tickets to give away at 837 for Friday's game for the rematch at IG Field. That's the final game of the season for the Blue and Gold, right? It's hard season? to believe. Yeah, they get the last week off. And should they manage to win on Friday night against Calgary, they would win the season series against the Stampeders. And that would set up a scenario where if BC were to beat Calgary on the final weekend of the season, the Blue Bombers would get second place. But obviously they have to take care of their own business first to have any ideals on second place and uh, begging for some help from uh, the BC Lions who are going to be without their quarterback, Mike Riley. Now I tweeted over the weekend, uh, I don't often watch the sportsings, but I actually did watch the game. I found it to be entertaining. It was a great game. Yeah? Okay. So my assessment on that was correct, <laughs> even though I know they only scored six points in the second half, and that stinks, but it seemed to me they were they put up a fight, especially when you saw Strebler, the way he's limping around. Like, he did this huge run, and then he gets up and he can barely walk, so I don't understand how athletes can do that, can just put the pain aside for a second, go out and do it, and then go on. So, And I was also, when McGuire came out and launched that ball, like, did that throw you off too? It did a little bit, and uh, you texted me right away. You were super impressed by the way he was able to just kind of flick his wrist and throw the ball downfield. If he had just taken maybe a third of a second longer before throwing it, he probably would have hit like Lucky Whitehead on that on his first ever CFL pass. Would have been tremendously impressive. Yeah. But yeah, his arm strength uh, looks to be... Uh, 
CFL caliber. I don't think there's any doubt about that, at least based on what we saw in that first throw. No easy way to just jump into this one. A story, a search for a young woman ending in tragedy, Loren. Yeah, on Friday you may have heard about the police asking for help in the city for a missing 21-year-old who had gone missing. There are reports that that young girl had been battling mental health issues and may have recently been discharged from Winnipeg Hospital. On Sunday, we learned that the search had ended, but not the way anyone wanted. Police revealing that the young woman had been found dead, no foul play suspected. We don't know the circumstances surrounding what happened here, but we do know it set off alarm bells for our next guest. Bonnie Bricker's son, Reed, was battling mental health issues when he was discharged from hospital in 2015, four years ago this month, shortly after he took his own life. And that had Bonnie reaching out to us this weekend to share some of her thoughts surrounding this latest incident. Good morning, Bonnie. Good morning. Talk us through a little bit, if you can, you know, when you first heard about this missing report and then the tragic ending, why did you want to talk to us this morning? Well, first of all, um, I want to say that my heart is absolutely hurting for this family. Um, you know, four years ago, almost to the date, our son was discharged uh, from Health Sciences Centre on his own recognizance, and he took his life uh, later that morning. I, I am also incredibly disappointed that considering all the hard work and diligence that myself, my family, and my colleagues have been putting into changing the system and making it safer for people who need help, who are vulnerable, that we're still back at square one. Um, it, it, that really hurts. It, it makes me very angry, actually. And, and you know, I'm not saying that there was um, negligence performed on the part of uh, the discharge process or the, or the medical health professionals at Vic Hospital for this young lady, but I am saying that there were options that were not um, exercised that, that may have had a different outcome. What options didn't exist uh, when Reed had his issues and, and was discharged? Bonnie, why don't we start there? Well, for Reed, it was a matter of consent. So he would not consent um, uh, to allow uh, anyone to come and help, you know, whether it was a friend or a relative of his parents. He, he would not give consent. And um, at the time, Fia... Um, which is the Personal Health Information Act, didn't have allowances for the medical health professional to step away from that and contact family. We have since, through extremely difficult times, worked through that with the government. We have changed via Bill 5, thought that that was changed. And so simple wording that was changed from, um, you know, uh, the person who presents with suicidal ideation, if it isn't immediate and and serious, they can be discharged uh, given that they don't give consent. And right now what it says is that if that person is at serious risk of harming themselves or someone else, that medical health trustee can then um, contact someone who can help with the discharge process so that that person is discharged safely and with a plan for care. Um, is so that the, an the op- just me- a, Sorry, Bonnie, but is that is just an option or is that seen as, as a, a mandi- mandatory or just a suggested part of the, of the discharge process? I'm going to say it's a guideline with FIA okay. that is considered a law. Um, however, the choice ultimately does reside with that particular uh, health care professional. So 
which, which, you know, brings us to the point that we can make all these changes and give all these options. And at the end of the day, it comes down to the person who is sitting across the table from you. Does that person look at you and say, this could be me or this could be my daughter or this could be my best friend or my loved one? How do I want them treated? How would I want this to unfold? What would be the best possible outcome? So we're still we're still looking at that. Anyways, even though we've made all these changes as a new discharge protocol, it's more robust. Is it perfect? No, but it's better. We do have Bill 5. There is an option for the doctor to step away from the fee and say, listen, you're not well. I'm not comfortable with discharging you. And so we got to have a discharge plan. We have to have a safety plan for you. Uh, the problem is, is that we don't have anywhere for people to go that might be a step down from emergency into a respite and recovery while better plans are created to actually get them the help that they need. We just don't have it here. We have respite, it's one or two days and, and out you go. We don't have that transitional bridge. And unfortunately, as a society, we have been trained to take our loved ones with whatever medical problem they have to emergency and the truth is our emergency departments do not have the resources or the time to help somebody who has a a mental health problem they just don't have it i think you might have have i just want to say i think you hit the nail on the head there just just for our listeners clarification we did reach out to the wrha over the weekend and they said they can't talk about this case because of privacy specifically but you know they have discharge protocols and summed it up by saying patients cannot be held in the hospital against their will without appropriate cause determined by medical professionals and so it kind of covers some of the things you're saying in terms of the challenges but i saw an entire other thread this weekend going around on social media and it wasn't necessarily connected to this most recent tragic incident it was about the idea of it was a person who was struggling with mental health issues and said, I'm so tired of everybody telling me to reach out to help because when I reach out for help, the help isn't there. I I wait six months to get that referral and then another six months to get to the psychologist and then another six months to get in a facility. So stop telling me to cry for help because nobody's there to help me anyway. Exactly. So when we tell someone who's just been diagnosed with cancer, okay, all you need to do is stay alive for six months and then we'll get you the treatment that you need. Hell no. If somebody was diagnosed with a a heart problem that needed surgery, would we say to them, you're going to have to wait months and months before we can get you in to do this procedure? No. Well, why are we telling someone who has serious mental health problems and needs that support? They need the treatment. They need the professionals. Just wait six months. It's impossible. Hold your breath for six months, and then we'll get you the help that you need. Uh, the, The government... Uh, The Conservative government in Manitoba has promised me that they are going to put a pilot program for peer support in our emergency departments. Well, so far, it's just talk. They need to come to the table and they actually need to invoke that promise and get the peer support in the emergency departments. And how would that have maybe given this poor young woman a better outcome instead of her walking out the door? Because truly, they couldn't hold her. She was an adult. Instead of her walking out the door, there might have been somebody sitting there who goes, listen, can we just talk? I was you two years ago. Let me tell you what happened to me. I want to listen to what you want. Tell me what you need. I'm here for you. Bonnie How Bricker. would that have changed? Bonnie Bricker, thank you very much for joining us this morning. You we are appreciate very the time. welcome. Thank you for asking.
what would entice you to vote if you're reluctant? Free donuts, bobbleheads, Plinko, and uh, some of the responses are free Timmy's. Mm-hmm. Okay, so yep. that, uh, that's from uh, Jablon Daniel. Uh, Bev says everyone should get a cookie and a sticker. Um, let's see what this one says in full. We have to give people free stuff to do what others are dying to do. Okay. No, we shouldn't have to. Great point. But we're we're not suggesting that, that we had a listener just text in now saying, you know, his dad and his and all the veterans were shot at and were prisoners of war and they fought for this right. And that's the only encouragement and incentive you should need. Kelly Moore said as much this morning. Right. And, and we get that. We understand that and we feel what you're feeling. It's just that that's not necessarily working for a good chunk of the population. So we were talking about the, how it's such a big moment. And a Canadian pin was one suggestion. Maybe you vote and you get a Canadian pin. It's about the patriotic feeling. I saw someone just on Twitter just now saying they were voting at a school. And so her vote coincided with the national anthem. Oh, wow. Played. And so she's like, that nice. was really a great feeling, no right? Kidding. You're like, yes, I am. Oh, Canada, I stand on guard for thee. Like, that felt good. And so that's what I'm saying. It's such a special moment, I think, or it's supposed to be. And it doesn't always feel like that, A, because of the lead up to the election and how you might be feeling, or just the fact you get in that gymnasium and it's quiet and everyone's whispering and nobody's talking. And I think once you do sad. it, I think once you do it, you wouldn't undo it. It's just a matter of actually getting there for a lot of people. And the whole question about do you want people who are not informed voting? <laughs> Maybe not. I I have a hard time sitting here discouraging anyone from voting today. So, uh, but I think that's worth talking about. We got a really good text message here from a listener who says this: I ran for council in 2014, so maybe a unique perspective here. But I think many just feel politics don't affect them at all, which is unfortunate as it literally affects everything we do. You mentioned door knocking, which I saw no candidates in in his riding or her riding. But even if they came, many would not answer the door anymore anyway. I experienced this firsthand. Perhaps we need all levels of government to engage more regularly and not just when pandering for votes more local town halls, etc. Another one here. This is an interesting suggestion. Give people a list of five options based on an online public survey and let them choose a priority when they come in to vote. This can give the new government some direction on their upcoming term. So you're not just voting for a candidate, but you're also providing some sort of a feedback. So maybe that would help give people a reason to vote too, because then it feels like, hey, I'm actually, I'm not just marking down a name, but I'm saying this is what's important to me. I think that you have to, I like the idea, because then you get to say an issue, right? Like this is why, like I'm voting and also please start tackling climate change or healthcare or whatever is on your agenda. But I also like the idea of changing how we vote because we had this conversation in our own circles over the weekend about how you want to vote for the prime minister, but you're voting for your local candidate and that disconnect there between that, that all party system and trying to get the person you want in power. And when you're in a riding where that is always slanted, maybe one way, it's so hard to feel connected because you know, your riding's going to go a certain way. And then your vote doesn't go to the prime minister in that 
moment. So can there be two options? Like I'm voting, I'm voting for so-and-so to lead this country, this person to be my riding represented, this party, and then that gets weighted differently. And there are countries around the world that do versions of proportional representation mm-hmm. uh, versus the first past the post and the whole question of who's your first choice, your second choice, your third choice is on a ballot so that you express some sort of hierarchy in terms of where you rank your your vote. And then, you know, one of our listeners says this too, another reason people don't want to vote maybe in Western Canada is because they think their vote won't count because uh, Quebec and Ontario decides the outcome anyway. Well, I don't think you need to look any further than Manitoba to realize that this is a pivotal part of the country. What was it, 61 votes? that In the Elmwood Transcona riding right, la- last, last time. federal election, yeah. right? So your vote does count. You can make a difference, but you can't make a difference by, by not voting. Although, I guess if you have a candidate that you support and you choose not to go out and exercise that right, and they end up losing by a handful of votes, uh, you might be wearing that for a little while. And if we're talking a minority government scenario, which is what we're inching towards, what if it's just a matter of a few writings between sure. you know, a, a few results and you're like, well, I didn't go because it doesn't matter. And then it would have if you had pushed your person over the top. There's all sorts of circumstances we can point out where it would make a huge difference. Here's a great suggestion on making the process <laughs> more exciting. Someone says... Have candidates in a dunk tank. <laughs> one vote, one throw. <laughs> so are you voting against them or for them? So they get they get dunked when you vote for them? I guess so. I like that. I like it. That would be super fun. <laughs> that would make me vote every time. Hey, we're right now we want to continue to talk sort of election and get an update on power. And we wanted to bring in Bruce Owen with some Bruce Springsteen because, Bruce, you've been working your own share of hours and we thought we'd a little tribute to you as well. Good morning. Well, I heard those words, extra hour of sleep. My uh, my eyes <laughs> perked up. So Just well, uh, about 12 more days that you need to wait for that, Bruce. I, I'm sure you could use it. Oh, a lot of folks here can. You're not alone. And and we have a couple of reasons for bringing you on. And one that kind of just, uh, I think Greg used the words that warmed your heart in the sense of Manitoba Hydro just tweeting out a few minutes ago, a photo of uh, their staff, linesmen, lineswomen lining up uh, to vote at one of the temporary camps set up in Portage. And I had retweeted it saying, you know, they're working 12, 14, 16 hour days and still there's a few minutes to line up and vote. And so tell us a bit about that photo and what's going on there this morning, Bruce. Well, we'll have two polls with the help of uh, Elections Canada. Uh, Elections Canada has brought 22 people in uh, to help us do this. Uh, There's two polls, uh, one at Portage, uh, Southport, and another at our temporary camp at Lundar. Um, So uh, we'll rotate uh, during the uh, uh, polls, when polls are open, uh, rotate crews through uh, who want to vote. There were some people who, you know, talk about the idea of wanting to vote or getting out to vote. And judging by that picture, you got quite the lineup already of people. They're not required to do this in any way, shape or form, are they? This is just like it's there if you want it. It's, it's there if they want it. And um, we heard overwhelmingly over the last uh, week or so um, that they want they want to vote. 
Bruce, we didn't bring you on to talk about the, the startling numbers that came out over the weekend as to how much this storm might cost Manitoba Hydro. We don't need to talk about that. I just well, don't... no, it's, it's, it's important to know uh, for uh, people to know that this will cost in excess of $100 million, uh, and uh, there's still work being done. Uh, we Our focus now is on getting the last remaining customers up. Uh, and back in their own homes, uh, in the particularly our indigenous communities, uh, and then we have to turn our attention to uh, fixing our transmission system uh, that was damaged. Uh, that's going to take weeks, if not months, uh, to complete. Well, and I just wanted really what I wanted to to get to was was the gratefulness that's being expressed towards hydro workers and all the hard work that's going on. Are, are, are the are the men and women on the front lines feeling that appreciation from Manitobans, Bruce? Yeah, they know. Yeah, and you know they're all on Twitter and Facebook, and they see it as well, and they're participating in it. And their family, uh, they're you know uh, are all seen it too. Um, so it's a it's a it's a huge huge uh, morale booster uh, to keep going a- a- until it's done. Well, we're on day I don't know if it's ten or eleven now, and there's still fourteen hundred people without power, and it looks like the area you're still I don't want to say struggling with, but the most of them eight hundred twenty nine are in that Interlake yeah. Gramdale region, region. What's the estimates there? Are we still days away from a fix, or can you update uh, yeah, us? Yeah, again, it's uh, yes, days away until a a, a, a fix. Uh, if but what's going to probably slow us down is obviously we've got some rain and some wind moving into the area, uh, and that will slow us down. Uh, we are we will we will continue to work, um, but it, it will you know slow us down a bit. And the cost, just to circle back before we let you go, Bruce, the eighty to one hundred billion dollar cost. And it, it, it's, it's fair to say in excess of a hundred million. Okay, so in excess of a hundred million, is that largely just from the damage, or is that also just that you know the, there'll be so many uh, extra hours to have to pay for and staff and all the rest? What's the it's common? All of it. It's all of it. Yep. Bruce, a lot of people will be asking, so that'll come out of Manitoba Hydro's operating budget. They'll be responsible for paying that. Does the government subsidize that in any way? Do, do we know? Uh, I'm. It, it's far too early to discuss right. any of that. Our focus right now is getting people home and, uh, and sleep in their own beds. All, All right, Bruce. Bruce Owen, Manitoba Hydro, joining us live on 680 CJOB. Bruce, thank you very much, sir. Thank you. Halloween, not that far away. Ten days next Thursday. If you're looking for something fun to do, we have a great idea for you right now. Our friend Kristen Troish from Square Peg Tours is here, squarepegtours.ca, to tell us about the Talking to the Dead bus <laughs> tour. Well, it's a it's a really fun experience. It's an interactive type of tour where people can come up to the front with me and try their hand at making some contact with various spirits in four different locations so that we visit per, per night. So you do you make contact? We do, yes. How do you how do you know? <laughs> how do we know? Well, that's the the big part that we talk about. There's so many different ways in which spirit can let you know that they're around us. Uh, one is that they'll interact with the equipment that we're using. So the lights on the meters will go off. The dowsing rods will start to move. Things like that. Um, there's other ways in which they'll let us know. Like last night, we were at the firefighters museum, and I I put out a whistle. Like I I whistled, and we were given a whistle back. 
Oh, oh come yeah. on. So that was last night. Yeah, so that was really cool. And we got uh, certain knocks. There were a couple of smells that people got that, you know, sound, like things burning in there. And it there wasn't really a lot, like nothing was burning in the building, but uh, it certainly kind of smelled like that. Some people noticed that. Um, so those are kind of some of the ways in which people will... We'll pick up things. In this sort of cynical, skeptical world, what percentage of the people on the tour with you or even yourself sometimes, like, do you have a list where you double check, like, okay, well, it couldn't have been, you know, like the pipe knocking inside the wall or, you know, different rooms have different temperatures. Like, there has to be things you double check. Yeah. Because people are, they don't trust this, not this, they don't trust anything anymore. Well, that's just it. I mean, um, we try to establish a baseline of where we're at so that things won't interfere with the equipment. Um, but at the same time, when we know that everybody is together in the group and I whistle and a whistle sounds like it's coming from downstairs, then we're like, okay, did somebody go down there? Because everybody's supposed to stay together. I'll turn to the person that runs the the venue that we're in. It's like, do you have a coworker down? Nope, nope. Okay, so then what do you do with that? Mm-hmm. So that's sort of how we do that. The other thing is that uh, was really consistent, for example, with sort of um, debunking things, I guess, was when I used to go to St. Boniface Museum. And I would walk in and I'd say, okay, if anybody smells anything, let me know. And that's all. I would just leave it generic. And then I'd come back about 10, 15 minutes later in my my sketch well not sketch but you know my dialogue and I and I would say okay did anybody pick anything up and so a couple of people would say oh I, I'm smelling it smells like incense and then a handful of other people might say yeah I'm smelling that too and I said okay that is a consistent scent that comes in and it's the, the priest that walks in when he and when he does he brings that scent so that's sort of how for me kind of debunks things a little bit because you're not planting the idea no, in their head right well, there's a little bit of a power of suggestion, but certainly not a specific smell. Right, not a specific thing. Yeah. And so th- that gets people obviously thinking and, and maybe heightening their awareness. Do you have a mix of people who are on the tours in order to kind of sit back and go, yeah, I knew this was, this was a bunch of hooey or people who are really, they want to be. watch your language, hooey could be a little strong. I know, hooey is strong on a Monday morning. Calling you out. Yeah, I like that. And uh, Or is it people who really are genuinely interested in, in reaching out and maybe making contact Yeah, I would probably guess side. that it's probably the majority of people that are quite intrigued by the subject matter. I mean, it, in my intro, I always go through all a bunch of stuff. And one of the things is if you're the skeptic, that's been dragged out by the girlfriend, that's okay. I just need you to suspend those thoughts for now because um, the thoughts of, of it being, um, here's one for you, tomfoolery, then, <laughs> then perhaps <laughs> that it might be, uh, it might dampen the potential for energy to happen, right? So, and I, again, if someone had said that to me and I was in the crowd, I'd be going, okay, whatever. Um, but now that I've been doing these tours for 11 years, it's kind of like I have a sense of, of, I think, when things are building on momentum and and it, if it doesn't go quite over the the hump, it's it's sometimes because people are sort of poo pooing it. <laughs> you two, you two are really poo pooing <laughs> the words, the language. Oh. Don't try and hoodwink me. No, <laughs> don't go over well. No. no. So how long? How you've been doing this eleven years? What was yeah. it, what started you down this road? Well, it was funny because um, my partners on this uh, endeavor are Heartland Travel and Tours. And Don Finkbeiner there asked me to partner with him on this idea of creating a ghost type tour. And I said, yeah, sure. Like this would be great to extend the season and get people out on a bus, throw a few ghost stories into it. But my main focus was to talk about build heritage and have some fun with it. It it actually started to change because things started to happen on the tours that I couldn't quite understand. And I was very lucky to have met a, a, a fantastic woman. Her name was Donna Elliott and she, she was a medium and, um, 
she taught me a lot of stuff. I'm not a medium by any stretch of the imagination. I'm, I'm more of a large, actually, but... Um, Oh, what? Sorry. <laughs> oh. <laughs> just, just seeing if you're listening. Oh boy, I didn't. We, I didn't we caught it. We just didn't so, get the joke, which was pause. very good, by the way. That's a, that's a ghost term I haven't heard before. <laughs> medium to large. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I like to, I like to call myself a schmedium, depending on how things oh, are fitting. But we'll move on from sizes. Okay. <laughs> so you're not you're not an actual medium. No, so I'm what, not. What, I'm, do you, what do you consider yourself? I, I, I've been referred to as a spirit dowser. I use dowsing rods to communicate with spirit, and I've picked up a lot of sort of the. Um, the cues, if you will, over the years uh, on on the, the language that spirit team seems to use on my tours. So that helps me to big, kind of figure out what's going on. Are spirits maybe more drawn to you? Like, for example, I'll try to make a, connect some dots here. Animals tend to know if you're an animal, a person who likes animals, right? They yeah. gravitate towards people yes. like that. So do spirits gravitate more towards you because of the energy sure. that you give off? I think that's part of it. It's like I build a relationship with a lot of the spirits that I visit because I go to the same places quite regularly. But the other thing I've told people is that spirit will be gravitated to people on the tours. And that doesn't mean that they're going home with them because like I'm not offering like a you know plenty of fish date night for the dead kind of thing. But <laughs> but <laughs> but rather you'd be surprised how many people ask me, you know, are dead people coming home with me? And that's not the plan, but no, you know. But um you know, if I walk around the group with uh, my K2 meter, which lights up when spirit's around, um, I, my next thing is then to find out what which spirit might be with you, because I, I'll, I'll ask you questions to see if I can figure out what's the draw. And uh, people are surprised that I can sometimes figure out stuff about them that I otherwise wouldn't know. And it's not because I'm psychic. It's just that I've understood the patterns a little bit. So, so. Not to sound like some of the people in your tour, but yeah. is it possible for a spirit to attach to someone? Because that's the premise of a lot of really scary movies out there right now, where right. like the, you can't you can't shed the ghost. Can't shed the ghost. Yes. Well, um, you know, in my opinion, I think the big problem with um, the concept of spirit communication is that people don't realize that you should set up some safety parameters, right? I mean, I explained to people that everybody locked their car before they walked into the train station to meet for the tour. And that's because there's a small possibility something bad might happen. Mm-hmm. In my opinion, I apply the same theory with spirit communication. So we, we sort of do a lockdown with this visualization of white light around us, and that's supposed to protect us and also prevent spirit from latching on. And I also explained to people that if spirit's been connected to a place for decades to years and years and like a century maybe uh that's their safe space they're there for a reason so for them to suddenly abandon a place come home with a complete and total stranger like i said the pof of the dead type of thing not not a not the the odds are much much smaller because we have the protection set up Hmm, it's kind of bothering me now that you have sort of a handbook on this on (laughs) the things that you're supposed to do to prevent this from happening if i if i I leave your tour and i'm smelling incense for the rest of my life i'll be like this priest is just it's He's following me around, man. I can't shake him. Because he's probably telling you to go to church or something. <laughs> read the signals, man. Right, read the signals. Uh, it's fascinating stuff. Uh, I'm just looking at your squarepegtours.ca website, and, mm. and you've got some other tours as well that you, oh, yes. you offer throughout the year. But this is probably the, the big time for the for the city of Ghost uh, bus tour. And and then, of course, this paranormal. Yeah, uh, this between the two, the uh, talking tour. to the dead is by far the more wow. popular. Okay. Squarepegtours.ca is the website. When's the next tour? Thursday night. All right. You can you can buy tickets on the website? Yes, I can. Okay. Yep. Great.
Hey, thanks for listening to The Start Podcast. We are available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Subscribe now and never miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, rate the show, tell us what you think, and hey, even tell a friend about the podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Greg is at GMACWPG, that's G-M-A-C-K-W-P-G. I am at Brett McGarry, B-R-E-T-T-M-E-G-A-R-R-Y. And Loren on Twitter is at McNab on Global and on Instagram at McNab on C-J-O-B. Talk soon.